Hey, you're listening to Block Thinking with Werner Puchert. Thanks for grabbing the latest episode of Block Thinking. I'm your host, Werner Puchert. This week, I invite you to join me as we head to the Polish coast. Yes, we're heading to the Tri-City area. It's called this because of the close proximity of the cities there. It's uh, Gdansk, Gdynia, and so forth, if you want to check it out on the map. Now, this is one of my favorite areas in Poland. In fact, when I first came to Poland, I had to get to Gdansk because of the rich history there. And you will never be disappointed. However, I always find myself in this position where I head to Gdansk in the winter time. So, uh tend to find myself on the beaches there walking in winter clothes freezing my ass off and that's not really something that an ex-Capetonian like myself really enjoys doing. However, I hopefully the conversation in this episode will keep you warm as we head towards the summertime, bearing out the window here. This week we meet with Maciek Siganowski. Now Maciek is the owner of Ultimo Studio, a boutique consultancy, design consultancy in the um, Tri-City area. But what Maciek is really well known for is the fact that he's also the founder of Product Camp Gdynia, which is a really um, highly rated product design conference here in Poland. Um, this year, I'll be hosting the conference day because the conference consists out of bar camp, workshops, and then a one-day conference. And there's going to be a whole bunch of famous people there from across the globe. In fact, one of my mates let me know that um, there's going to be someone from Canada there. So I'm super excited to meet another Canadian. Um, they always seem to cross my path. But um, as I'm rambling on, um, this episode is about Machek and The reason I wanted to sit down and talk with him is the fact that he's got a unique perspective on design. Now, when I think about design and when I started out on my career, one of the the key things that we focused on and we fought for is the fact that we believe in the idea of user centricity. A lot of people talk about designing from the outside in, but there's been a tendency um, recently, in my opinion, and I think Maciek also shares that, is that as the, the practice of user experience or service design matures and some of the designers get younger, there's a, there's a little element missing because if you think about design, it also needs to be feasible. There needs to be a business objective around it. It needs to be sustainable. And because of Machek's experience um, in sales and marketing and all these things, he brings that perspective to the design practice. And we talk a little bit about that. Oh, and I, for, I forgot to mention that um, two things. So you can get tickets for Product Camp at productcamp.pl if there's any left. And then also the funniest thing about this interview is the fact that we've been really struggling to actually set up the interview. I mean, we had a few misaligned dates. I had to cancel once. He had to cancel. And then when we finally sat down to have the damn conversation, the internet bombed out and my neighbors decided to do reconstruction work. So you might find a few glitches here and there in audio quality, but I think the conversation is still well worth it, and it was hell of a funny. Yes, so um, let's head to the north. Here's Maciek. Okay, hi, I'm Maciek. I'm Maciek Siganowski. I almost introduced myself like James Bond. Please, this is bad. Anyway, I'm Maciek Sagarowski. I run a business design studio called Altimo and also Product Camp, which is a, a digital product place. And I'm a product designer. But before setting up my own studio, I was uh, head of digital product for a travel e-commerce company. And that's where I learned all the product stuff like, you know, KPIs and, and different things. So, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, deep in the heart, I'm, I'm a designer. I always will sort of title myself as, as, as a designer. Maciej, you're a man of many angles. And uh, let's, let's see if we can dig into that those angles and figure out what makes you tick. So um, the first question, the awkward question I always ask my guests is, uh, what is your value proposition? Like, why why would someone want you in the project? What 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 is it that you bring to a project to a to whatever you do in life? <laughs> I'm, I'm usually the oldest person in the team, so this is my value proposition. But being the oldest person in the team usually makes me the most experienced person in the world as well. And this is because I started in this trade probably 16, 17 years ago. 
So quite some time with uh, maybe not counting a couple of uh, trips into digital marketing and things like that, so auxiliary to, to product and design, I've been doing this for, for a while. And uh, over the years, I think I've managed to build a, um, an understanding and experience of, of different fields that you as a designer or product person needs to have experience in. So we're looking at understanding of technology, we're looking at interaction design, obviously, and good, good understanding of, of the business things, business side of things, and finding common language with business and I am also a researcher, so I talk to users. I try to think of myself as an M person. So, I, so I've heard about a T person. So maybe for, for everyone's understanding, a T person have a good understanding of things across many domains, but is super good in one. Yeah. So like yeah, an yeah. M person is sort of a one level beyond, which is you are you are good in two or three domains, like letter M. Yeah. Uh, so I, I consider myself to be an M person because of that uh, exposure to many things that I've done. I think I'm comfortable in switching between different planes. So one minute I need to be super low level talking pixel detail, and the next minute I need to be super high level, like helicopter view, strategic stuff, talking you know, markers and, and, and trends and things like that. Now, thanks for teaching me about being an M person. I need to be a bit more of an M myself. You're a W person. I'm a W. <laughs> yes. I mean, seeing that I am here in Warsaw and I think the whole world uh, revolves around Warsaw, you're not in Warsaw. You're in the north, right? Yeah, I'm nice. In Tri City, Gdansk, uh, Super Gdynia. Yeah, so it's a lovely place, best place in the world. Uh, so, that you have you been in Gdansk all your life? Like, well, I mean, I, I know you get out from time to time, but um, have you kind of grew up there and built your businesses there? Grew up there. I've uh, finished my degree here, like uni, and then I went went away to Australia for a good seven years. Wow! So I lived in Australia, and that's how I did the trade. But uh, now I'm back in Gdansk, and it's super cool. Now we have nice sandwiches. And uh, you know, plenty of business opportunities. And you know, besides, like we work in internet, so we we can just do business can anywhere. Be, how the hell did you end up in Australia of all places? We, I say we because that was me with my then girlfriend and current wife. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, both we didn't want to sort of uh, finish unis and get into our, our careers and start the you know the rat race. Uh, we wanted to do something different and learn language and visit places and that's how we decided to go to australia um there was olympics then and 2000 in the olympics and we we figured oh it wouldn't be a cool idea to go there and help out with the olympics and uh, just you know enjoy ourselves there but obviously by the time we we got uh, to sydney olympics and everything else was uh, pretty much ready uh in starting blocks and there was there was obviously no works so we have to uh, find our ways um, ways around it. But, uh, but all in all, it was, it was a lovely time, seven years, as I said. Uh, we, I've learned a lot. Because I remember when I was in South Africa, right, uh, specifically when I was still at Deloitte Digital, the, the UX and the design field in Australia was super strong. What did you pick up in Australia from a business perspective or from a skills perspective while you were there? Like maybe some observations about, about that. Sure. I, like I first worked for a uh, digital studio, like a, like a sort of tiny agency doing uh, mostly marketing websites. But that wasn't that sort of opening uh, for me. A big change, I think, was uh, was business side of things. So I, at the beginning, I was doing sales and channel marketing. So I was heading uh, sales for Northern Australia, um, Queensland and um, Victoria, which is in the South State basically selling internet connectivity like dsl oh yeah yeah i remember that kind of stuff yeah uh, super slow because australia has a super slow internet so anything like for these guys then back then 500 megabytes per second it's kind of the connection we're having today right it feels like we're on a dsl connection i, I wanted to give you that impression uh, for, <laughs> for what it was like yeah i'm definitely getting immersed in the experience uh yeah so then after that i started to work in a digital product sector i got a first job as a product manager for an e-commerce company competitor to booking.com pretty sizable business so you're looking at about half a billion dollars revenue per annum so pretty large that's how i got into that whole product management user research interaction design building features prioritizing so i was a product manager uh, heading a team of digital marketers and yeah so that was fun that was plenty of fun so you were a product product manager before it became like a thing 
So it's kind of in the DNA. Correct. When I was doing product management, uh, there was no agile. Uh, I think agile changed a lot. So I was doing everything waterfall. I would spend months designing, then writing specifications, then handing it over to a team based in India. Then you fast forward a year, and after a year, that team in India would come back with something that something was really totally unlike what we as a product designed. And it was ridiculous. Like So that was one of the reasons why I decided, no, this is not for me because I, I have little influence on the product. Maybe if, if I uh, was doing product now, mm. I would have much greater influence because I would, I would definitely uh, be able to see results of my work. And as we do in, in Altimo now, where we work on products, not on, just, not on design itself. But on, on larger products, we would definitely see results much faster, like you know, after a week or two weeks. Maybe as a segue, before we get into Ultima, why did you come back to Europe? Collection of factors, really. Our uh, first child, Philip, was uh, I was pregnant with uh, with Philip, and then we decided that uh, Poland, for that time in our life, was was a better place for us to stay. And then I continued to work for that company I used to work in Sydney. I was uh, setting up their their business in Poland. So, and that's how I actually got into digital marketing. So uh, basically partner marketing, acquiring traffic from Poland. And so one thing led to another and that's how, you know, we stayed in Poland, but we are still Aussies. (laughs) (laughs) Aussies at heart. There's a problem here. I mean, I didn't know about this before we started talking because there's this kind of rivalry between Australia and South Africa. I don't know if you ever picked it up because especially in sport. Watching uh, cricket, like the game, like the, the sport that I do not understand whatsoever. The thing is when I ex- try and explain to some of my Polish friends about cricket, like what the hell are you talking about, Van? A game that lasts five days? Are you crazy? I remember we went for a, for a trip to a beautiful secluded beach north of Sydney. A mate of mine was, was listening to cricket like for five days nonstop. Yeah. Basically switched himself off the social side of things, he was basically yeah. just drinking beer and listening to cricket. Like, I, I just, I do not find the words for that. Like, this must be super exciting game. Yeah, it looked as if it was down, didn't it? It was, uh, it was in, it was out, it was in again, it was out, and then at last he got it. Well, that's five for Ambrose. But yeah, the, the uh, joys of cricket. I mean, I think deep down in your soul, you probably escaped Australia just to get away from cricket. <laughs> yeah. You're on the move all the time. You give me this in- impression that you're like a, a, an entrepreneur at, in your soul. Can you maybe explain to me a little bit about why you've gone into starting your own studios and maybe how everything ended up being Ultimo Studio? I always wanted to work for myself, one thing led to another. And I uh, first became a, a freelancer. And after that, I became like, uh, you know, I hired some people and set up a studio. And I always considered myself to be a designer. So I was always designing things and shipping things and helping people to deliver product. Sort of along the way, I also had some episodes of setting up my own tiny startups. Unfortunately, nothing panned out uh, of these efforts yet for many reasons. It's probably uh, <laughs> a story for another conversation. I've made plenty of mistakes while trying to build my own product. But you know, the good thing about it is that I definitely learned from these mistakes. So I, at exactly. least I can pinpoint three reasons why each one didn't didn't work out. So that's that's a good thing. Yeah, so Altimo is a business design studio as we like to call it, because we do not always design interfaces. Uh, mostly we work with digital products, but not always. But we help business with design tools to achieve better results than we do. You you call it business design. Sometimes people forget that there's actually also a business side around doing the work that we do right because of course we have to be user-centric and this is really important but at the end there's also the other side that it needs to be efficient effective it needs to deliver on some kpis there needs to be a business side to it and it feels like what you're saying is that you guys also understand that aspect of the design process totally um and i personally think that this is at the moment probably the most underestimated side of our trade plenty of folks that are new to the industry are coming from the your psychology background, which is great because you have a good feel for users, you maybe understand them quicker, you build better relations with these guys as you're doing research. But um, end of the day, like, and this is all cool, and users are the most important. When you look at the product, but and never forget that other factor without which the product wouldn't happen is the business. So you can have super happy users, but business that is failing because the product you're delivering is not sustainable. 
Yeah, so yeah, business side of things, I guess something that every designer or every product person should have a good understanding of. First and foremost, probably like doing user research is secondary to me than doing already understanding business. Yeah, like the business case and that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Price and the product life cycle and and markets and just big trends. Yeah, I like the fact you use the word sustainable. It's actually the second time I've heard it because I had a conversation with someone the other day because I tend to say to people, yeah, we need to be good for the users, but we need to make money. And it's not always about make, making money because it sounds like it's all about profit, but it needs to be sustainable because if you build a business in a sustainable way, it means that you can pay salaries, gives you the space to play more, people can design more stuff. Okay, cool. So, I mean, and then ultimately, how big is the team? The team is five people. Tiny studio already, it's not, um, you know, sort of big consultancy as you might uh, you might be familiar with uh, yourself, with your background. So it's a, it's a pretty uh, small team. But the good thing about it is that we work on maximum two projects at the same time. Yeah. And we are all super involved in, in every project, both, both from the user uh, research, from uh, from interaction design, and from the business perspective. So we are all engaged. What kind of work do you guys do? And is, is there maybe some a project example, maybe one of the fro- favorite projects you have that you can talk about? Most we do digital products, but we sometimes we delve into service design. Not that often, really. So one of the interesting projects was designing VR, virtual reality gear for uh, forest uh, trout driver. You know, you have uh, trucks uh, carrying uh, logs, yeah? And, and these drivers would normally operate this, this crane thingy, so totally outside and in the open, exposed to, to the elements, like minus 20 degrees in, in the rain, like for two hours until they move all the logs from side of the road onto their truck. So we were sort of subcontracted by R&D department of the, of the company. We have designed virtual reality set for a driver. So that driver doesn't need to go outside of the cabin. So he just changes into the passenger seat. He's got sort of joysticks there. And he, he uh, puts on uh, the VR gear and from inside the cabin. And, and there on the, on the crane, there's a camera. Like, and this, dri- this guy can sort of unload enough load uh, the trucks from inside the cabin. So that, that was that was like that's super interesting. That was the first uh, first VR project for us. Uh, but usually we we work on sort of corporate software. Like so, for example, another another example was uh, uh, Bluestone, and Bluestone is this um, uh, SAP. You know SAP? Yeah, SAP. Yeah. Just to give give you uh, the uh, sort of understanding of scale, because yeah. we have to design the system. So, similar scale and complexity and that's probably a hugest like the biggest project that we have done it took three people over one year well this is pure design pure ux and ui design this software is software for managing metadata for example if you have big uh, retail networks like ikea or mediamarkt or these guys these are companies that sell products on many channels so they sell these products in their own yeah. stores over catalog like mail shipment they sell online they sell through a network of uh, of partners etc etc so they need to have a system where they store all data about products they sell that was a big that was, this this product was probably one of the biggest that we've designed hundreds of of screens in Aksher, unfortunately. Aksher, yeah. What's it like? Sometimes when you have your own business running, I mean, I'm sure you have to take care of running the business, finding new co- new clients, doing the new business development, um, and makes you a very busy guy. Like, And also sometimes can take you away from projects. Some of these projects you mentioned, how hands-on are you still? Yeah, that's, that's actually one of my biggest challenges at the moment, how to decouple myself from the project to such a degree that I am still involved in design detail, yet I can still manage other side of business things. So obviously, these days I'm no, no longer designing things myself in Sketch. I used to yeah. do that, but I don't have time for that. And honestly, I'm a little bit bored with, with just moving boxes on the screen. <laughs> like I mean, don't just, you know make impression that this is boring work. This is super exciting work, but I I've just had enough of that. But I definitely do many design reviews, and I contribute, and I talk to customers, and I offer my feedback to all designers and, and clients. But I believe in, in in being autonomous as a designer, so I encourage my guys to take decisions. Sometimes I would I would argue with these. Sometimes I would try to uh, make them change their minds, but at the end of the day, it's it's their project. As long as they can defend a particular course of action or particular decision with the product, with the client, it's fine by me. Um, 
even though it you know it wasn't necessarily what I had in mind initially. I mean, you just mentioned about um, giving your team autonomy, right? That that makes it really important to hire people in the right way. So so when you hire people into your team, like what kind of attributes do you look at? How do you get? How do you hire new people? Humble, hungry, and smart. I, I learned this uh, framework: humble, hungry, and smart. And but I mean, this is so esoteric and so up in the air. Like how. How do you even screen for these qualities? So this is something that really comes between the lines. If you talk to a person, it's really you know, how quickly you build rapport with the person, whether the conversation is good. And I'm not even talking about hard skills here. Yeah. Um, yeah. To me, in a way, soft skills are more important than, than hard skills. You know, as they say, hard skills get you higher than soft skills get you fired. Right. So, um, yeah. so I'm more into soft skills of things uh, or side of things and then hard skills and i guess hard skills is something you can always learn on the job being in this consultancy air quotes thing is that you have to have like really a focus on having good relationships definitely definitely with, with customers and you need to be able to mm-hmm. sell and when i sell when i say sell i'm assuming sell the, the contract or the project we need to sell your decision you need to explain why you have taken a particular course of action if the customer disagrees then you have to somehow react whether just give in or, or or keep pushing and keep explaining and keep convincing that this is the right way to take so that's what i mean by soft skills so not necessarily yeah. kind of be, being nice to people or, or listening to the same music and play guitar and sit around the fire <laughs> and then the other thing is right i mean over the years right this is a very crazy question to ask you in like a half a second answer but like over the years with all the crazy stuff you've done right all the startups and now you have ultimo and you you're running this amazing event um, for someone starting up a business, do you have any advice? Okay, this advice is coming from me, considering a, a particular you know a framework of mistakes that I've made. Yeah. Um, and to me, it would be don't forget about marketing. I think marketing is probably, especially this is coming from a product person. Yeah. So I was always overdoing my products in a way. I was too involved in making sure that the product is top notch. And not really giving enough attention to what we do with this product after it's launched. That's the mistake that I have made on at least two occasions. And I have promised myself not to make the same mistake again. So I'm coming back to this whole saying by founder of LinkedIn. If you're happy about your product, I think you've launched too late. Oh, if you're not, if you're not ashamed of your product, as in after launch, it means you have launched too late. It's super savvy that that statement because I was launching my products and then I totally didn't have time to spend on these on on these products. And I mean, launching a product is just probably thirty percent of the effort you should make on on that product. And after launching the product, you should tinker and change and and listen to customers and 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 uh, and, and maybe you know pivot and. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. People buy into your business, or they buy into the product, and it goes down to your value proposition. And if you're too focused on building the product and you're not communicating in different ways what your value proposition is, no one's going to know, right? No one's going to care. Excellent. I like that advice. And then the future. I mean, it's always difficult to predict, but for your business, how how do you see things going forward? For sure, for sure. Especially that we are a two-leg business, you know, and so we yeah. have. One leg is the conference and event, yeah. and the other leg is uh, design service, the product design service. So with both legs, there is honestly plenty of things we need to do uh, to to grow. So I probably wouldn't be able to you know, shed too much light on, on details, but with Altimo, I would probably want to more sort of of the menu services. Yeah, like packages, right? Yeah. Packages, like like Design Sprint. I mean, this has been great for us and probably Design Sprint is something like the best thing I have discovered or learned or we have as a team discovered and learned over the last five years. And although on its own, like inside, it's not really that novel. It's just a collection of, of, of uh, techniques because it's so packed it's so intense and it's got so a couple of like, interesting rules in, in, inside this has been super refreshing and super successful for us uh design sprint so uh, i think i'd like to um create a couple of couple of uh, uh services like that uh yeah. that are uh, super, like fairly uh 
easy to sell to customers, uh, but also giving them uh, great benefits like design. That's interesting because, I mean, when you refer to design sprint, you, I mean, I'm peering over my shoulder here. You're referring to the Jake Knapp design sprint right exactly. the, and yeah and it's interesting because i mean recently i, uh, I mean also you have the kind of aj and smart version of it now right so the the four day shorter yeah, we, we are following ajns uh version of it so design yeah. sprint 2.0 we've tried the first sprint as well but wasn't that that good so ajs version is is, is better for sure yeah. we still have a couple of ideas how to change it further but we not maybe we haven't had you know 50 sprints behind our belt to really to start tinkering with that so we're not there yet but but we are beginning to make some 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 tiny adjustments but basically we are following uh, design sprint 2.0 established by by jake knapp and uh, and jonathan from ajs i've done it i've done the design sprints once or twice in my career the fact that it's so structured makes it really easy to fit into bigger corporations because there are these steps allows you to be more creative i mean i know it sounds like it's a contradiction but I, i really think it does work that way do you think that that's the value that it brings to the table? It's like you have a process, you know, there's step-by-step process. You you can trust it, but then you can, that allows you to be more flexible in what you create. It, it brings answer, answers quickly and bigger companies do want that. Definitely, definitely. And something that, that I think big companies like about Business Supreme is that every bigger company has their own uh, UX department inside. And these companies want to be involved in creation of their product, not just hand it over to us. And using Sprint, we engage their team and we work alongside their team. So we want, we, we work jointly on, on a project. And like recently, we, we did a design sprint for a totally non-digital company, like a big uh, property developer. At the beginning, these guys were a bit puzzled, like what's going on? Like why, are, like as, as clients, like, why are we supposed to do any work here? Like they were almost like, you know, on the verge of being not comfortable with it. But after a day or two, they realized that this is so cool because they have finally got a say and they finally got a, an ability to, to explain what they want. And we are just there to facilitate that. Obviously, we keep in, we, we contribute, but, but it's, it's a joint effort and yeah. clients like that. I dig it. And I think the design sprint is going to give you after four or five days, it's going to give you an answer. But the thing is, you might not like the answer. I mean, you will have an answer, but possibly not the answer you want. Um, yeah. So, for example, when we designed a chatbot, there was a big belief by the client that this chatbot is a great idea. And the outcome of the sprint was no way, Jose. Like, we're not doing the chatbot because it makes little sense. And so, as I said, it's not the answer the client really expected or anticipated, but it's a positive answer because they have probably saved like in the vicinity of one million water. Amen to that. And that is a good answer, actually, right? Because otherwise they would have spent that money for sure. I mean, knowing this this type of a customer, these these are the guys who really are looking actively, proactively into the future and, and they are seeking different opportunities. And they would just probably jump on the idea, spend this one million water or whatever is required, and only figure out six months later or one year later that customers just don't, don't care about the bot. <laughs> we don't want the bot, damn it. And then the thing is, uh, before we, there's something important we need to talk about. It's like it's the elephant in the room. And it's not the elephant, but there's this thing that I've seen, and I think we briefly spoke about it, is that, that UX designers are moving from being UXers or UX designers and they're changing their titles like permanently on LinkedIn to product owners or product managers. Is this is this something that you see yourself? Is is this you know, does it make sense? Is this what the, the, the industry wants? Or am I just crazy? You are crazy. It's a short answer, but the long answer uh, long answer winner is uh, is I think it's a super positive trend. I was always a big advocate for uh, mm. for uh, killing wax. And I'm, of course, I'm exaggerating and sort of being a bit funny here, but uh, yeah. uh, UX is just means to an end. End of the day, you want to build products uh, and your job as a designer is not to create wireframes, which is a most typical product of a UX person. Yeah. Your job is to ship successful products. And when I say successful, I mean products that will be loved by customers, recommended further, and also bringing value and money and dollars, dollars to, to your team. This tiny UX perspective is, I think, too tiny to realize that objective. You need to think 
about your role and about you need to think about your influence a bit broader. And therefore, I think broadening that scope, broadening that term from UX designer to product person, product designer, or product owner even, is the positive. And the challenge there goes back to what we spoke about when we just dove into this in conversation is that now you have all these magical things, Axure and wireframes and all the user side of things, but now it starts to include the business part as well, right? And that's where it gets tough for some of us sometimes. It's like, okay, now we need to look at the broader perspective. But luckily... I don't know if you know about this. I think you might know. There's an, there's an event coming up in Gdynia that might help you with that, right? Oh. Uh, it's called Product Camp. So uh, I, I'm, I'm really keen to be there. Uh, in fact, I, I'm, I should be there because uh, some crazy guy invited me to be the host there. Product Camp. Um, this is your this is your baby. It's well, our baby, like you know. So it's a, yeah. it's a team's effort. Like I'm, I'm the founder. That's that's true, but. Uh, um, it's really a joint effort. Hopefully, many people already know about it. <laughs> Some do, but let's say let's say there's one person who listens to this podcast. Like, I mean, I, that's not my audience. I, I think I do have more than one person who's listening to my podcast, but there might be one person that doesn't know about Product Camp. Can you explain where it came from and what it's about? Sure. So Product Camp is a digital event because yeah. conference is just one component of it. So it's yeah. a three-day event containing the conference, the workshops, and something called Barcamp. And probably Barcamp is worth explaining because still many people do not know what Barcamp is. Barcamp is the final day of Product Camp, and Barcamp is this unconference style event whereby you as a participant come to the, come to the event and there is no agenda. So you, there's, there's really no agenda. You don't know what's who is going to talk about what, and there's just a big sort of chessboard of topic slots big board, Barcamp board, and participants who want to do a talk or host a little workshop or maybe run a Q&A session, they would just take a piece of paper and they and they say, okay, my name is Werner and I'm going to run a Q&A session about, I don't know, uh, you know, VR for kindergartens and we put it on the wall. Within half an hour, at the beginning of the day, this wall is being filled with uh, probably 60 presentations and 60 topics. These sessions are run in six concurrent rooms. So you need to choose, as a participant, you need to choose what session you're going to. So before each session, we have a quick round of pitches in the foyer. With these quick pitches, the audience, and we are expecting about 500 people, 500 designers and product people, these guys would choose what session to go to. So super dynamic, a super busy, super hectic, really crazy day. Uh, so that's the final day of Product Camp. But before that, we also had a regular conference and workshop. Yeah. Sounds great. And uh, before you give us a bit of a taste about this here, um, I have one question. Now you're running a business. Why on earth would you start an event? <laughs> I mean, because a lot of people don't realize that, uh, like, I mean, I know you have a team and I've, I've met some of your team members and they're super energetic and it's, it's been a great experience this far, but like just running an event is, is it's not a joke for, for someone who's done this before. Um, it takes a lot of effort, a lot of focus. Um, why something must drive you to do this. If I have this drive somewhere, I haven't really pinpointed it yet i haven't uh, really uh, you know it hasn't uh, come to the surface yet uh, it's somewhere deep than uh, this drive i don't know I, I i like doing events i, I like bringing people together and I like making people share things so i think that's uh, that's what i like to do and i'm not really doing that for the sake of really money i mean obviously it's a business it's a business like i said before it's, it's mm-hmm. one of the legs of our business it's becoming greater but um, but I'm, I'm definitely not doing just for the sake of, of, of uh, business. But anyway, so it's, it's, a, it's a great fun. And I, I must say, you've, you've been doing something right because, and this is not honestly, like even before I got to meet you, um, I had um, colleagues from, from my former team. We have a mutual friend, uh, Andy Wojnarowski, and, and people like that who's been to Product Camp, and also Eric Reese, right? Um, he's, we both know him. Uh, who speak really highly of the event. And it's, I mean, how long has it been going now? Five years now. I think it's the fifth edition. We've had one year break. Um, so, you know, we, we can, uh, we have established ourselves on, on a map already, I think. Uh, and if people know about it, and it's not a one, one hit wonder. 
platform. It's a repeatable thing, and we try to always make things a little bit better, give people a better lunch, because lunch is always uh, something that people uh, <laughs> be care about and complain. I think that's a typical Polish thing. It's like Polish people will accept a lot of things, but if the lunch is not good, dude, you've got a problem. Yeah, but... Uh, <laughs> Am I teaching the generalizing a little bit? To cater to uh, different options, like first product camp was all vegan. Oh, okay. All vegan, so just think about how, how bad experience many people got. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like the idea. I mean, it's probably you probably did it too soon. I did it too soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you were in front of the curve there. Yeah, behind, yeah. yeah. But no, no, no. We we are both. Uh, we will will have meat option and vegan option as well. Because I mean, as South Africans, I mean, we 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 want to eat meat, dude. Come on, totally, totally. Like I, yeah. I know I know you're coming, so you will have you will have your your your. Uh, Medium rare steak. Excellent. You are, we, we might have a sneaky barbecue on the side, but we can talk about that later. Listen, I mean, uh, it's happening soon, right? Productcamp.pl. People can grab tickets. Workshops are filling up like crazy because, I mean, I, I'm watching my social media feeds and I'm getting these updates every day. Um, can you give us a bit of a sneak peeky taste of what's happening there this year? Some of the stuff that you're personally also excited about. Sure, sure. So we, we are always trying to learn from our mistakes, at least partially. Uh, one thing that we that we are trying to do this year is to invite industry people, so less maybe theoretical speakers or, or professional speakers who just you know appear on a speaker circle. We are inviting guys who build products in the trenches on a daily basis for the biggest, most successful companies in the world. So we'll have heads of product, uh, chief designers from companies like Frog, Revolut, Lego. Zalando, right? Also. Zalando, yeah. Google, Fjord and other companies. And we'll also have uh, guys who are legends in, in their respective fields. So for example, like Jeff Patton. Mm-hmm. And this guy, although he he's probably the single person out of the whole lineup who is probably a sort of speaker's circle person. Uh, mm-hmm. So he, he appears on many events, but Jeff is a person who consults with companies nonstop. So he just builds products with different companies and he'll be doing uh, both the workshop and a talk about how the game of building product changed the last uh, past years. We'll have a guy, uh, Van Van Scholz from Revolut, Mm -hmm. who's going to talk about engagement, user engagement and how to build user engagement and virality into the products. And yeah, so we have plenty of really, really interesting stuff. And we'll we'll also have Mark Jones from Google. He's a principal designer an AI team, uh, so artificial intelligence. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm super excited about, about his talk as well. Yeah, well that's a, there's some really solid stuff there. And uh, I mean, a lot of these guys have workshops and I know that some of the workshops have been filling up, right? So uh, if people listening to this, they need to go sign up and check that out, right? Yeah, most, most likely, matter of fact, by the time you'll be able to launch this this podcast, I guess most yeah. of them would be sold out. You know, give it, give it a go. Uh, maybe there are some still uh, yeah. workshops you left. Never, you never know. And also, I didn't mention one important person who's coming and who's going to be a host Excellent. of Product Camp. And this person is Werner Pucher doing this interview. Exactly. I'm super excited. I'm super honored to be there. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you are putting the pressure on my first product camp and I have to be on stage with all these big names. I'm just happy that some of these names I can actually pronounce. So, um, I won't let you down. Um, then there's a, I have a tough question for you. I, I believe that events should create opportunities for growth and or change. What do you think is the underlying change that you want to drive? this year if, and it might not be intentional maybe there's something that you think that product camp could could influence in its own small little way this year what what would that be it's a hard one it's a hard question because our approach these days is when we recruit speakers is ask them to do a talk or run a workshop on a thing that you believe is important at this time. Therefore, we have design systems workshop. Therefore, we have Jay Kaufman from Zalando is doing career tips for, for designers in product. Yeah. And th- that's why we have Val from, from Revolut doing engagement. So these are little pockets of information that I think are important. So obviously, when we recruit, when I, when I recruit speakers, I try to bring out things that are uh, sort of, you know, on top of people people's minds. But yeah. there's, it, 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 it's not that we have one underlying thing. Yeah. Can I give it a try? Because I think I'm being unfair because, I mean, I'm, I'm in this with you. I feel like also I have skin in the game at Product Camp this year. 
you as the owner, you can you can judge me and say if I'm right. If I if I had to say what is the what is the what is the opportunity that Product Camp offers you this year, I would say it's Product Camp this year is about having a finger on the pulse of what's happening in product uh, for real in the industry. So if you're a participant going there and you look at the talks and the people there active, you're going to get a slice of what's really happening in the industry. Not opinions, not comments, but actually people who are doing the work now. It's going to give you a real nice view into what's needed, what can you do to grow yourself, um, what is potential trends, what's going to happen in the future forward, how do you need to upskill yourself it's really like having your finger on the pulse of what's happening in the in the world of product. No, that's 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 a very good summary. Uh, I I wouldn't be able to say it better. Um, totally spot on. And but besides, I mean, we always want the product come to be this way. So it's the goal only for for this year, yeah. but also for 2020 and beyond. And I don't know if you agree with me with this one because one of I've I've I I decided going to events is sometimes very expensive, right? Because it's not about and I'm not talking about tickets. I'm talking about taking time off, going to an event. Um, you know, investing yourself. And I, I, I kind of said it before to someone else is that my personal challenge for Product Camp this year is, and hopefully people listening to this, is that look at the people who are speaking at the event. Um, think about, you know, what kind of questions you want to ask them. Because being at an event is not only about people on stage talking to you, but it's also your engagement back. So, you know, it might not, it might be conversations after the, the guy has spoken, or it might be asking questions in the actual thing, but really think, research the people who are going to be on stage think about the growth the personal growth that you want to experience when you go to the event because it's really two-way i think sometimes we sit back and say okay cool much you give us a show we're just going to absorb I'm, it I'm, I'm really grateful uh Werner, you're bringing this up because we've had a couple of couple of opinions last year that like what is this i'm just sitting here and i'm being fed information and that i'm not necessarily that interested in but exactly so i think it's we probably somehow should communicate this better but you will take so much more out of it if you if you think about things you'd want to take out of it apart from this the the speeches and, and, and talks. And I mean, okay, so let's say you work in a, in a banking industry, right? So you know that, in, and I can tell you right now, in a product camp, we'll have every single major bank from Poland having their teams there. So what, I mean, it's such a great networking opportunity for you. You could yeah. ask questions, you could mingle with these guys. So that's so that's just looking at your own personal industry that you're in. Uh, another, another idea is to okay, uh, what I would like to learn and what I can teach others. And that's especially valid for product camp, for bar camp day, when you can attend sessions, not necessarily just to listen and to sort of suck information out of other people, but also to contribute and to help maybe younger designers or younger product people uh, with your experience. So I think it's, it's, it's yeah. karma in a way that, I mean, think like even though you are not preparing a talk, uh, you're not giving a speech at, at bar camp. Try to think: what are your strong points? What are your what What is the knowledge that you're willing to share? And go for talks where you could contribute. Gather around, kids! It's story time. Is there a story that you can share? Um, maybe something crazy that happened at one of the events, or something that inspired you. Connected to product camp that you can share with me. There's there's one thing um, that happened last year. I didn't talk about it uh, openly before. Um, so we've had a, a crisis uh, last year with product camp, and and I I had a personal crisis um, with managing our lineup. So the story is that we obviously with when you do events and probably every single event in the world needs to start recruiting soon. When you when you start recruiting you reach out to to everyone to you make a list of topics that you'd like to have and you you create a list of industry experts you'd want to reach out to and you you basically reach out to them set up calls agree on on, on financial details etc etc we have started this recruiting super aggressively and all the all the guys who were saying yes we were saying yes to them as well and cool 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 we, we managed to fill up the the lineup so that was back in 2018, right? So it's not yeah. this year. So we managed to fill up the, the lineup until end of January. Then we launched the website. And I personally didn't pick it up. Someone else picked it up for me. I was totally like oblivious to that, that every single speaker in the lineup was a white male. 
Now, if yeah. you think about it, think yeah. about it. I'm not racist or I'm, I'm totally far from that. Yeah. And, and, and I sort of, I was rationalizing, sort of uh, retro-rationalizing to myself that like I didn't do anything wrong as a host, as a, uh, as a curator of the conference. I mean, I have invited, you know, everyone. So we have reached out to women, to men, uh, in sort of equal, in equal numbers. But it's just happened that the guys were more proactive at saying yes. And we were also, you know, we were cool with saying yes to these guys, but we have never screened or recruited the speakers according to their gender. Yeah. And one of the speakers, like after we've launched this lineup, one of the speakers from that lineup said, uh -uh, I'm not going. He dumped us. Yeah. He just said, okay, yeah. I'm not going to that thing. I'm not going to participate in the whole in all while uh, in all white um, male lineup another three speakers like super prominent speakers you know i'm not going to you know mention names but these guys like wrote me a letter like an email saying maciek you know uh, this is not good like we totally don't want to take part in that and you know i have personally i have undergone an internal change and i have come to realization that although i don't want to sort of be uh, I put it this way I, as an organizer and as a curator, need to inspire the industry and I need to make sure that we have the same number of uh, women speakers as the same number of uh, mm. men speakers and I need to make sure that our lineup is, is diverse. And this is something that I learned and I now I'm a big believer in this, uh, uh, in this uh, equal approach uh, just because I, sort of, I have changed my thinking about what it is to be a curator that it's not only to to um to you know get best speakers but also to get best speakers but also inspire the industry inspire the companies and participants that we have great women speakers who could and who are leaders in their departments in their in their organization man this is a super important topic i'm really happy for you to bring it up like this latching onto the word of curation because that's an active thing when i listen to your to, to your comment it's not like you intentionally did something but we are now in a space in the world that we need to be intentionally thinking about these things yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely, absolutely. And, and but the funny thing is that when i mentioned this story to everyone in poland um and also to women in poland funny they say oh what's a big deal i mean we don't care i mean that's the sort of that's what i found that is a very common approach to these things in poland but I'm a believer now that it is my bloody job as an organizer to make sure our lineup is, is diverse and that we need to be, sort of, in a way, we need to be evangelizing, to be teaching the yeah. industry that, uh, that uh, you know, I mean, that there is no such thing as, as this sort of uh, ceiling. Uh, this glass ceiling organization especially for women yeah and i think this uh, i'm gonna misquote someone i can't remember who said this but uh, become the change you want to see yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Exactly. exactly let's a few quick ones because we need to get back to work do you have any mentors or influential people that uh, you turn to for yourself like uh, is there someone that you follow or think to or turn to when you when you need some inspiration okay definitely uh guys like steve jobs like this super cliche super cliche but uh, steve jobs was definitely a person like <laughs> didn't know the guy but yeah. he like he was one of the mentors for me like so his approach to, to certain things so that's definitely super inspirational but uh maybe my first boss um from australia her name is chloe was a super great mentor for me uh, and she, she sort of managed to shape me or managed to yeah um so but back then and these days i don't know i, I maybe don't have a mentor yet thanks to chloe i think i think she did something right yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> then uh are you a reader sir do you do you read at all are you reading something at the moment i am reading i'm not unfortunately reading enough just oh i have the same problem yeah yeah just when but yeah i'm, I'm reading unfortunately i'm reading many things at the same time so i'm losing Track. But at the moment, I'm reading this funny thing, uh, super old thing, like 2,000 years old or something. Uh, Mark Aurelius, uh, Meditations. Not sure if you've heard about it. No. Um, it's a, you know, Stoicism? Uh, I've heard about it. Yeah, I think yeah Stoicism. Stoicism. Yeah. Yeah, Stoicism. So Mark Aurelius is the sort of the founding father of Stoicism. This whole, uh, I mean, Stoicism is really the operating system for your brain, if you think about it. Yeah. And, uh, so it's, it's super cool. And considering this is 2000 years old, like this book 
has blown me away. Like I'm still in the middle of the book. But the observation that I have is that we as humans have progressed with technology and with, with engineering and with, with, with everything so much over the last 2,000 years. But our problems inside our heads did not change at all. So w- when I read his uh, stories about his thoughts back then, they are exactly the same as you can relate. our thoughts now. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Excellent. I'll post it in the show notes. Then I have this other thing that I do in the show as well that I forgot about. So one of my previous guests, I asked them to ask you a question. So it's a pay it forward question. So this question comes from Marina, a service designer that I interviewed two episodes ago. What is something that you can do that will bring delight to somebody? I think surprise would be the answer. So uh, give them something uh, unexpected. I like that. That's a good one. And then if you had to ask my next next guest, if I can get, ever get another next guest. No, I'm joking. There will be a next guest. But is there a specific question that you would like to ask this unknown person that I can challenge them with? Uh, I got one question that I, that I was asking my product camp speakers when I was doing interviews with these guys. And that's, it's a nice one. It might work for you. And the question goes like, what is that one belief that you strongly hold that other colleagues in your industry would strongly disagree with? So what is that belief that you strongly hold on to that other colleagues in your industry will strongly disagree with? Yeah. Great. Got it. Okay. And let's see what, what that answer will be in, when, in the next interview. Um, so Matsik, last two. Uh, what's next for you after this? After product camp, I want to get back to training. I want to do... Uh, couple of races, uh, tri- triathlon races, and half uh, half uh, marathon race. But that's on the private side. But on the business side, obviously, keep on doing good work that, we, that we're trying to do with Product Camp and with Altimo. Uh, keep winning new customers and you know, keep on doing the work. Finally, if uh, people want to stalk you, um, follow what your, your activities are, do you have any social media links uh, or uh, places where people can... Uh, track you down everything uh, revolves around altimo so it's altimo.studio uh, a bit unusual uh, url so altimo.studio and i'm personally at facebook as maciek saganowski and also you can follow product camp uh, both in facebook and other social uh, social media and on twitter uh, i'm not i'm not there that often but on twitter and on instagram i'm uh, sagan one s-a-g-a-n-o-n-e and then uh, also just another important url is productcamp.pl right for all the productcamp.pl exactly yeah for all the updates and news and uh, yeah um, magic thanks for making the time i mean you're a busy guy yeah, and I really appreciate it. And I can't wait to shake your hand very soon in Gdynia, where we're going to be hanging out with some really cool people. Yeah, so uh, for people who are still out there and they need to get tickets, don't miss out on this awesome experience waiting for us very soon. Uh, Machik, thank you once again for making the time. Really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I'll chat to you again soon. Thank you very much, Werner. Thanks for listening to Block Thinking. You can find more information and the show notes for this episode at www.blockthinking.com. That is blockthinking without the K.com. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on iTunes or any of your favorite podcast platforms. We thrive on critique, so feel free to leave comments on iTunes or get hold of us directly. Thanks for listening. Hello, brother. Hello, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, are you yeah. for, for a second? Oh, so um, where? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, yeah. <laughs> this is going south, but we'll, we'll fix it. Technology, man. Mm-hmm. Machik, I lost you again there for a second. Are you there? Damn it, internet. Yeah. Hey, Vener, I'm thinking uh, we either have a break in the conversation or the internet is again playing. Yeah, yeah, it was the internet. I, I, I tried to get hold of you there, but it sounds like you're back again. Did I lose you again? Yeah, Can you, yeah, could, yeah. You, you, you lost me. So, could you repeat the last question? Oh, I lost you again. Hello.